a story about one book. There is nine readers and there are 10 changed lives. No, I'm out. (laughs) Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we are sharing our September Books on the Radar. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? I am good. It is Friday as we are recording. So I think I'm ready for the weekend. I have yeah. I have some reading plans. I have some reading lined up, which I will talk about in my current read. Okay. We'll segue into my reading plans for the weekend. But Love I'm it. trying to I'm trying to plan in advance my weekend reading in the hopes that that might get me a little closer to doing an actual TBR for the fall because there's so many books coming out this fall I want to read. I hear you. And actually, I've been using this BookMori app and it's been so helpful because you can see, look at my pattern. It's like very consistent. This is a, a high month, but I typically finish a book on Tuesday, on Friday, and on Sunday. Like, I did not know that about myself. And again, I'm reading a lot right now because it brings me joy and, you know, I don't have to move a lot to do it. But I thought that was so interesting. I'm like, holy cow, for four weeks in a row, I finished a book on a Tuesday. That and it makes sense. And uh, on Sunday. So I'm like, well, damn, I obviously I have a little pattern. And then sometime in the middle of the week, I'm finishing one. So I'm going to keep it rolling. I definitely have two that I'm working through, but. You're right. The fall lineup is stacked. I've been enjoying my loose TBR list, but you know, kind of uh I've been doing really well with that too. So I I I'm that's like the one thing right now that I can't complain about is my reading life. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Why don't you tell us? You want to tell us what you're loving lately? I do. And you know my loving lately because my loving lately is a hand fan. And <laughs> so, okay. When Renee and I were at happy hour earlier this month, I was super hot. We were on a rooftop. It was awesome. But I had walked a bunch to get there by my own decision to the train and this and that. So I was hot. So, you know, I had a big backpack with me. I busted out my little hand fan. She goes, excuse me, what is that? You know, (laughs) and I'm like, oh, it's my fan. It's my little fan. So I will link it. Of course, it's from Amazon. And the name that they chose is 45 letters long, 45 words long, easy access, mini handheld fan, portable fan, small. Anyway, I will link this specific one. What I like about it, this one is like the lightest version, the cheapest version. It's three to 10 working hours. It's about the size of my palm, maybe Mm -hmm. like halfway down my forearm. Super light. I can fit it in almost all of my purses. And if you want one that's more long lasting, they have ones that last like 10 plus hours. But I love it because it's rechargeable too. So you just plug it in. You know, it's a USB port or whatever. You plug it in. And I bring it with me, especially when I'm commuting downtown, because you never know. I'm going on the train. It's hot. I'm in the, the classroom. There's no air, whatever. This thing is perfect. There's three speeds. And it goes really high. Like, you can get some good motion on this fan. So I have been, it's coming to the hospital with me. Like, I love this damn thing. <laughs> the base of it also flips to a a 90 degree angle. So if you want it, it could be like a stick or you could flip it like a little right angle and set it on your desk. I actually wish I had it right now, but it's a little, it'd be too loud to record with, but I'm a big fan of this thing and it's $10. So listen, good stocking stuffer. You can't, it's never too early to start thinking about the holidays. Mm -hmm. This is my little personal hand fan. Yeah, I really loved that little fan when you pulled that out. <laughs> I was, know, you're like, what is in there? It was great, and it was perfect because it was hot. It was humid outside, and oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it gave you 
quite a bit of air too. So Ooh, it was cute. Sure it was does. small. Yeah, it was. I said, you have to bring that as a loving lately. I know you were. I was like, wait, surely I've brought it. This is my fan. Like I know I've sold so many people on this dang fan. I looked, I'm like, I bought it twice because I bought it for a gift. I'm like, wow, I, this is surprised it took me so long. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. I am also coming in with a product today and it is my new favorite gel pen. Now I'm a pen person. I don't know. I know that there's probably a lot of pen people out there. I don't know if you are Tina, but I love a good pen, not a fancy pen, just I'm particular. And these are by Papermate. They are the Papermate Ink Joy Gel 0.7 medium point. Don't ask me where I found it. I don't know. I think Darren brought one home and I found it on the counter and I was like, what is this? And I started using it um, because I'm a journal writer and I really loved it. Now, I also still write out my lists, my to-do lists every day. I write my post-it notes. So I'm always using a pen. The pack I ordered is an assorted color pack. My absolute favorite color of pen to write with is purple. So I have pulled out the purple pen, but there's also pink, red, teal, bright blue, and black. I love that it doesn't bleed through my journal paper and it seems to dry very quick. So I've never had an issue with smearing. It's weird. I like this. I like the feel of the grip, which is a combination soft and matte with little tiny indents on it. If anybody loves pens, you will appreciate this conversation. Other people are probably fast forwarding through this, <laughs> but I mean, this is this is what I'm loving lately. Um, I got a six pack on Amazon for $8 and that's my loving lately. It's the Papermate Ink Joy Gel 0.7 pen. Now, you said the different colors. The ink is that color too? Yes. the di- Yes. The ink is different colors. I really love writing with color, uh-huh. like colorful ink. Purple is my favorite. Got it. My, my other previous go-to gel pen, which is, if anyone is interested, is the Pentel Energel. And you can get a three-pack of those, in, and all of those are violet. Oh. I just love writing with purple ink. I don't know why. Hey, it's your thing. It's my I, love purple. I'm a dum-dum, and I bought these pens off of Amazon. And I'm like, oh, there's pink, there's you know purple, green, gray. This can be gray. It's, they're all black. They're just oh, outside. No. And like, it says it right there. I just missed that. But I'm okay because I like writing in black ink anyway. These are 0.5 though. And I noticed I have these that are, I'm holding an Energel mm-hmm. liquid gel ink. That's a one. Way too chubby. The the It's oh, way too a one. fat. Yeah. Okay. A one is way too fat. Five, I like thin. You like five. I like five. So I I'm like with seven. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm with you on the millimeter, the point. And I know book people, I feel like book people are also some many times pen people like or school supply people. That just goes together. Right. Well, great, Renee. I can't wait to tell you about my next book because okay. my latest read, uh, it's a five-star banger. It was Ooh. They Never Learn by Lane Fargo. Have you ever heard of this book? Yes, I've read it. Did you bring it to the show? No. Mm-mm. Oh, girl, don't scare me like that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to tell you what I thought about it. This is a psychological thriller about two women who give bad men exactly what they deserve. My neighborhood book club picked this for our monthly book club meeting. And I've read this author once before. I liked her last book that I read. I didn't love it. This one I loved. And I was like, I had heard great things, but I'm like, let me temper my expectations. I had a blast. I don't know what to say. This book is perfect for fall because you have Scarlett Clark. She is an exceptional English professor, but she's even better at getting away with murder. That's her true skill. (laughs) (laughs) And every year she searches for the worst man at the university she works at and plots his well-deserved demise. Thanks to her meticulous planning, she has not gotten caught yet. But as she's preparing for her biggest kill yet, the school starts probing into the growing body count on campus. And I'm thinking, naturally, of course they would. But right, things are adding up. She is determined to keep her enemies close. So she kind of ingratiates herself into the investigation. And the woman in charge is Dr. Mina Pierce, who is a psychologist. She's working with her. She's impressed by her. She's like, she's kind of smart. (laughs) Like she's putting together a lot of pieces that the police weren't. And then there's one more victim she just can't control herself about, and she puts herself at even greater risk of being found out. You also meet 
Gorman student Carly Schiller, who's just trying to survive freshman year. She's new to being on her own. Her father was emotionally abusive, so she had a bit of a tough home life. She's just trying to like focus on her studies and fade into the background, and she becomes very wrapped up in the life of her very cool roommate, Allison Hadley. And so we have these alternating points of view, that of Scarlett and that of Carly. And that's where I will leave you. This is a feminist serial killer story. And at the very beginning, I was like, "Mm, okay, I loved it. (laughs) I don't know what to say. I had such a good time reading this dang book. It was sort of funny in an odd way. Obviously, it's it's a thriller. Suspend some of your disbelief. But there was a lot of red herrings, but none of which felt to me too silly or like put on. And I'm reading my notes, but I can't say any of them because <laughs> they're all spoilers. So if you're looking for a book that truly is propulsive, that's perfect for fall, that gets you into that campus setting, I highly, highly recommend this one. It was They Never Learn by Lane Fargo. Okay, fun. All right. Did yeah. you say you did combo audio? I did all audio for all this audio. One. Yep, I think the audio was unremarkable. So okay. nothing, nothing of note. All right, my latest read is "No Two Persons" by Erica Bauermeister. Now I had the best time with this book. I started off in audio, and I'll tell you why I don't think that was the way to go for me. But this is about a story about one book. There is nine readers, and there are ten changed lives. No, I'm out. Ten people? (laughs) Ten people. You can, no, stay with me now. You got to stay with me. Okay. Initially, we start off and we meet Alice. And Alice has always wanted to be a writer. Her talent is there. She's in college. She's taking creative writing. She wants to be a writer. And her creative writing professor says she has talent. But her stories remain safe and detached until a devastating event breaks her heart open, and she creates a stunning debut novel. Now, if you're at all curious what happened that led to her stunning debut novel, if that's tempting to you, you must read to find out. What happens with Alice's book is a bit over time because we settle in with Alice and we get to know her family and we we get to know her as a person. And okay, she writes this book. It is a word of mouth, like debut phenomenon. And then we switch to a particular person who picks up her book. And at first I was like, oh no, but I want to be back with Alice. Like I, that's where we were for the first, I don't know, however percentage of the book, but no, stay with it. If you feel like that too, stay with it. The book will end up passing from the hands of Alice, the writer, to the assistant and then make its way over the years to an actor, an artist, the diver, the teenager, the bookseller, the caretaker, the coordinator, and the agent. And together, their stories will reveal how books can affect us in the most beautiful and unexpected ways and how we are all more closely connected to one another than we might think. Okay. It worked for me. It just, I can't even tell you how much I love this book. Despite the fact that when that shifted from Alice, I thought, oh no, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to like this. And what really worked for me was shifting from the audio. I started this on audio on a walk and I did have a hard time settling in when it, it shifted to the first person who got a hold of the book. Once I switched to my Kindle, I spent the entire, like most of the day on Saturday reading this, and it was the best reading experience. And what I really loved was the fact that I became invested in each person, not only finding out how the book spoke to them, but what Erica Bauermeister had to say about the reading life and books and because her writing is interspersed throughout this. And if you're a reader, you will find parts, so many parts to love in this story. I loved Alice. I loved her story and I loved every subsequent person. And I can't believe it because even after, say for instance, 
the artist, that section. I was like, oh my gosh, I love this person. I want to stay with this person. And then we switch. And then I got invested in the next person. And I never thought I would. And I did. I thought the way the author built connections between the characters was brilliant. You will find through lines as you read the book, especially towards the end. She ties things together and it was really well done. And here's one teaser for everyone and you, Tina, if you're going to read this. If you were at all fascinated or anyone out there listening was fascinated by Tina's Loving Lately last week, which was The Deepest Breath on Netflix, you will especially love The Diver's story in this book. It was such a a fun tie-in to our last show. This one is No Two Persons by Erica Bauermeister. Wow. Well, you lost me with 10 characters, but you brought me right back in when you said you liked, like, got invested in all of them and The Deepest Breath comparison. And you had me sitting there. I'm like, what did I bring last week? What did we talk about? But yeah. (laughs) Did you guys watch it yet? No, not yet. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> so, it's a lot. <laughs> well, I am very interested in watching it, especially after reading that section on the diver in the book. So, yeah, you'll definitely, I mean, you will learn a lot about diving. It was, I'm still thinking about that show. That's crazy. Okay. Well, you would love, <sighs> I do think you would love this book, but you would especially love that section. Speaking of reading on Kindles and really reflecting on what it is we're reading, we are going to chat a little bit today about deep reading. And I pitched this. We are both subscribers to Sarah at Fiction Matters newsletter. And her latest issue, number 16, she talked about reading long books or chunky boys, as I like to call them. And these are like books, you know, longer than 500 pages and how maybe she shies away from them sometimes because, you know, there's so many other books in your TBR. And and certainly I have this mindset. Long books can be intimidating. But I was looking at my my fall TBR and beyond. I have some chunky boys on my list. But the thing that resonated with me the most is when she said that she found herself itching to give the caveat when she recommends these long books to other readers. Namely, oh, it's a fast read or you won't feel the page number. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, you're so spot on. Why is it that we feel compelled to put that caveat in there? What's wrong with having a book that takes its time to build, that requires a little bit more attention? And I'm not saying every single book you read should be anything. I never should on your reading. But I thought about that and I do the same thing. I will say, oh, it felt shorter. I didn't feel the 500 pages. And I was wondering why that is. Yeah, I loved that article. Her writing, I mean, Sarah has such great ideas. She does. And is really able to get us to think deeper about how we're reading. And I really love that she does that. I hadn't thought about this until I read that. And why do we do that? This led me to to start wondering, are we asking too much of our stories today? Are we asking, are we going in with these expectations of, you must entertain me and you must entertain me right from the start? You got to pull me. I I am guilty of this. I want to be pulled in immediately. And it really, it really has me thinking, why do I feel like I need to be pulled in immediately? And, And why am I dismissing books that may have a slower start. Right. And I and I often do set them aside if they don't pull me in immediately. A hundred percent. You are absolutely correct. And like I think a part of it is what we do having a podcast and we, you know, have to prioritize certain books over others and give ourselves time. And I'm always as much as I try to not read with my with our listeners in mind, I do. I'm like, oh, you know, I could I like <laughs> it's this imaginary person. It's like I almost don't trust our listeners to like be able to hang and trust our recommendation if it doesn't hook them right away. And that's so silly, Mm -hmm. right? You know, I really, really like deep reading and and, and some of these longer, it doesn't have to be long, but just giving myself more time to process some of these books and giving myself time to really sink into it. I did this just recently with Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mbue. This was, we just hosted this last night. It was our Patreon book club. And to prep for it, I had I, I loved what I did. 
if I do say so myself. It was very <laughs> satisfying. <laughs> now, you know, we love an audio and audio of that is fantastic. So I allowed myself to listen to it. Having my print copy that I just grabbed off Pango, it was a couple of bucks nearby. Because if I know that I'm going to have a book club book or whatever, I want a physical copy too, because I want to be able to refer back to it. So I was listening to it and I would stop the audio, run and like highlight or annotate and upload, you know, kind of make note of passages that I wanted to come back to. So that way, when it was time for book club, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is fun. Because like now I feel like I have a great memory of it. Whereas normally books leave my brain as fast as they come into it. (laughs) So (laughs) You know, I think we've always been proponents of that, but I would say deep reading does not have to just be with a physical copy in your hands with your eyeballs. Certainly, that could be your way. My way is kind of this multimedia approach. Mm -hmm. I I love that you're doing that. And I, I love that we're talking about this because I think it goes to show that even people who read a lot of books, because we have we have to for the show, still are trying to sort through our own reading lives and what we want. And I absolutely would like more of a balance in my reading. The question is, how do I get that because of the volume that we read? And I love, in Sarah's post, she referenced the podcast episode I brought. Actually, I went back and looked. I brought it December 27th to our January Books on the Radar. It's a podcast episode with Ezra Klein and Marianne Wolf. Now, I went and deep dived on that article a little bit, the transcript for that podcast, because Marianne Wolf, she studies the reader's brain and reading in a digital world. That is one of her books that I really think I want to read. Everything she says makes sense. It makes absolute sense. We have so much information coming at us and into our brains all of the time, every minute of the day. And I think, I'm going to speak for myself, I think putting that together with what she says has created a habit where I'm picking up my phone so much, I've got all this information and I love to research and I'm on the internet and I'm on, like, I'm looking, looking, looking. And I've gotten out of the habit of sitting down and reading because I also have audiobooks. And so all of that taken together has really got me thinking. But she does talk about the fact that when that happens and because of social media, we are quote unquote programmed to want those like dopamine hits. And we're wanting that from our reading. We're wanting that from our books, right? And so... How do we change how do we change that and sink into books in a deeper way? And do we need to, right? Like, I mean, if you if it's a, if you as a reader are finding you enjoy these dopamine hits, these popcorn thrillers, these literary fiction, whatever your poison is, pick your poison, mm-hmm. you know, great, fantastic. I think when we are thinking about it, we're thinking about reading widely maybe reading books that are a little bit slower to build that maybe are a little bit more meandering with really good payoff that we might otherwise miss because they're Mm -hmm. not giving us that immediate dopamine kind of fill. Right. And and yes, if you're happy with that, which Sarah talks in her post about the Coco Melon effect, which was, so go read, go read her, her, post. I'll, I will link to the exact one. Go read that if you're interested in the Coco Melon effect. But I hadn't heard about that because my my kids are grown. But that was really interesting. And there's nothing wrong with that. Basically, the idea is there is nothing wrong with wanting to pick up a book and bam, like give yeah. me action, give me thrills, give me all of that. If that's what you want, ah, perfectly fine. I want that a lot of the time. But I personally have also been more frustrated with myself for not allowing my, for like putting, dismissing books and putting them down because I feel that they are too slow and they might be boring me. Yeah. And I am frustrated with myself for that. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think I am guilty of that too, of course. One practice that we both have started doing that I think has changed my reading life immensely this year is not going into Goodreads and looking to see what other people said mid- Absolutely. Way, or even before, because that messes my brain up. Now, 
stay with us. Please keep listening because <laughs> we don't want you to stop listening to our podcast and say, okay, now I have these expectations. But I'm talking specifically, I used to pick up a book and be like, okay, you know, I'll read like 10, 15 pages. And I'm like, am I enjoying this? Do people like this book? I don't know. Let's go see what Renee had to say. And then I would open Goodreads and kind of scroll around and see what my friends or like whoever had to say. And it would definitely color my reading experience. This year, I've not done that at all. And it's been great because mm-hmm. you're almost then going to into it blind, sort of semi-blind, of course. We still get our recommendations, but I've really, really enjoyed that practice. Now what I do, though, is at the end, I'll go into Goodreads. I'm like, let's see what the, what the people think. And I'm like, oh, God, everyone hates it. Now I'm just, you know, <laughs> there still is the risk if you look of finding like you were way off the mark, but who cares if you enjoyed it, then that's, I think, what matters. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not often that that happens, but I would just encourage you to try, especially the book that you're reading in the moment, try and stay with that book. We're not saying, you know, give it some more time. There are certainly books that could be edited down that didn't need to be 550 pages. Sometimes Stephen King's writing can be this way, but I'm always happy when I'm reading a King because I'm like, Mm -hmm. whatever, just Tell me what you want to tell me, you know? I know. I always say Stephen King likes his words. He likes he his words. And his we words. Kn- I absolutely know that picking up his books. Now, not every book. He has some short books, but for the yeah. most part, he likes his words. I like learning and being challenged. And I think Sarah's post really does that. And so I would be interested in hearing from our listeners, what do you think? What it, Does this at all like trigger any like strong opinions, deep, do you have any deep thoughts on deep reading? I don't, I would like to know, um, are we the only ones overanalyzing our reading lives? Yeah, I would love to hear. And I even wrote that down. I love that you asked the listeners because same thing, I wrote deep reads. Like I want to hear from you all listening. How do you deep read? Do you, have you ever thought about it? And, you know, just commiserate with us because it really, her post did a really good job of giving me something new to think about that I remember read, I was reading. I was like, oh! and then I went to comment and then I had to log into Substack and I'm like, oh my God, this is fresh. <laughs> like, I was like, forget it. You know, because as a millennial or whatever, we can only have so many apps. And for me, I can never get logged into Substack properly. But I will say the post still absolutely resonated. You should definitely go take a look. Absolutely. And it's inspired me to continue like figuring out my reading life. And I don't know. I'm going to toss out a personal goal uh, of just by the end of the year, I would like to decrease my percentage of audios and increase my percentage of print, which shouldn't Love be it. that hard to do. Because no, I don't think it I, But that's something I think I would really like to do. And I'm saying print specifically, not my Kindle. Oh. I would like to increase my like print. print. For me, that's going to really just truly mean reading a couple books because I'm not really reading that much on print. I love my Kindle reading. Absolutely love it. But according to Marianne Wolf, your Kindle is a screen. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to give, you know, some of the print books a try. Something to think about. And I love freaking annotating writing in my little books here. I just mm-hmm. love it. Try not to be too precious with it. And if you don't want to annotate, that's totally fine. But if you're thinking you might like it, give it a shot and try. I try not to overthink it. I just write because I've seen people asking on posts like, what are you annotating? What are you writing? And I'm like, whatever comes into my head, funny notes, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> my goal for the end of this year is actually just three specific books. One of mine is a book on the radar. One of them is Holly by Stephen King, which will be easy. Mm-hmm. One of them is The Deluge by Stephen Markley. Those are three books over 500 pages that I really, really want to get to. Well, you'll you'll hear about one of them here in a bit. But that's just it. That's it. I've loved the combination audio. And I do print. Mm-hmm. And I have print of all three of the books I just mentioned. So, or they're coming. I pre-ordered Holly. Anyway, let us know. Yeah. What, do you, what do you all think? Okay. And what your deep reading goals are for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's fun to make out. It could give us accountability. It doesn't need to be stressful. Let's just toss them out there and have them as goals, not to make ourselves feel bad, but just to have reminders of what we want to do. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that, let's um, you know give you some more options in terms of adding <laughs> to your TBR. Because my first book is The September House by Carissa Orlando comes out on September 5th. And I loved this quick
one sentence setup. A woman is determined to stay in her dream home, even after it becomes a haunted nightmare in this thoroughly enjoyable, twisty and layered debut novel. And I thought, lady, you and me both. I mean, you're going to have to drag me out of this house. We moved last year. (laughs) It is the worst process ever. So if I found a little ghosty hiding in one of my rooms, I don't know that I'd be that upset about it. I would just, you know, kind of accept it. However, Margaret and her husband, Hal, bought the large Victorian house on Hawthorne Street. First of all, it's a Victorian. Hawthorne Street just sounds haunted. You should have known, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was a surprisingly reasonable price. And they could not believe they finally had a home of their own. And then they discovered the hauntings. (laughs) Every September, the walls drip blood. Sure. Okay. The the ghosts of former inhabitants appear, and all of them are terrified of something that lurks in the basement. Most people would flee, but Margaret is not most people. It's her house. Okay. After four years, Hal cannot take it anymore, and he leaves abruptly. Now he's not returning calls, and their daughter, Catherine, who knows nothing about the hauntings apparently, arrives intent on looking for her missing dad. To make things worse, September has just begun, and with every attempt Margaret and Catherine make at finding Hal, the hauntings grow more harrowing because there are just some secrets the house needs to keep. Heck yeah, all of the kind of props for a great setup. The author is a clinical psychologist. I love books written by clinical psychologists, Mm -hmm. by and large, because oftentimes they're giving us this really great insight into the human condition. And I can't wait to read it. It's The September House by Carissa Orlando. Oh, yeah. Good one. Okay. That might be a, a nice pairing with a Stephen King, with Holly, maybe. Yes, they have. Because Holly's got a big spooky house on the cover, mm-hmm. too. Now, that is not one that I would feel like I need to deep dive, because I feel like it'll be a little spooky, which I'm excited for. Yes. Okay, good. All right. My first book is Dark Ride by Lou Burney. And this comes out September 19th. Lou Burney is a trusted author for me. I loved The Long and Far Away Gone and November Road. Both of those were five-star reads. And November Road was his last book, and it was five years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, that was like, what, 2017? 2018, five years ago. So I am so excited about this one. And this is about 21-year-old Hardy Hardly Reed. This is confusing. So he's going to be called Hardly, apparently, in the story. And Hardly is going to be a hero we least expected to need. He's good-natured. He's easygoing. He's usually stoned, and he is drifting through life. He is a minimum wage scare actor at an amusement park, and for the most part, he avoids unnecessary effort and unrealistic ambitions. And I got to say, I'm kind of already liking Hardly, just based on this description. Then one day, he notices two children around the ages six or seven, and they are sitting alone on a bench and hardly decides to check to see if they're okay. And when he does, he sees injuries on both children and he assumes someone is hurting these kids and he reports the incident to Child Protective Services. So that should be the end of it. Hardly decides that he he did what he was supposed to do. He's not even going to think about it. He's going to move on because he can barely take care of himself. However, he cannot stop thinking about those two kids. And he he feels for them. He feels a little haunted by them. And the more research he does into Child Protective Services, the less confident he feels that anything is going to be done about these kids. So he decides, what if I help? What if I could do something to help? these kids? What if they don't have anyone else? So for the first time in his life, Hardly decides to fight for something. He decides that this might be the point in his life that he could do something and change his life for the better. And at first, after gathering evidence, after going to the proper authorities, he starts to do things a little behind the scenes on his own. And this is where things become a bit more involved than hardly imagined. The situation is far more dangerous than he initially expected. The father is abusive, and it turns out he also runs a violent drug dealing operation. There is a mother. There's problems with her, too. And so the story is going to go on. Hardly has got himself 
100% invested. And I, for one, want to find out what happens. I trust Lou Bernie to take me on a really interesting literary ride with his new book, Dark Ride by Lou Bernie. Comes out September 19th. All right. Good. I know that's an author. I liked his last book too. So I'm glad to see he's got another one coming out. Yes. Now, book two for me is a little bit of a departure. I just couldn't, I, I really enjoyed what I read about it in the synopsis. It's called Chenneville, a novel of murder, loss, and vengeance. And it's by Paulette Giles. Comes out on September 12th. And this is historical fiction. It is about a man who is consumed by grief and driven by vengeance who seeks revenge after he gets out of the Civil War. So you've got Union soldier John Cheneville, who suffered a traumatic head wound in battle. His recovery took him out of the war for the better part of a year, and he struggled to come back to normal and regain his senses by the time he returns home. The Civil War is now over, but tragedy awaits because his beloved sister and her family have been murdered, and he knows who did it. The killer goes by many names, and he, I think it sounds like, was a police officer, but he finds him to be kind of way abusing his power and slaughtering people without remorse, so he decides to take it upon himself to fix this. They travel through the unforgiving landscape of a shattered nation in the midst of reconstruction. So John braves winter storms and confronts desperate people in pursuit of his ultimate goal. And he's single-minded and will not be deterred. And of course, they, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of side quests and characters that he runs into, including a woman who's hoping that he'll choose to embrace life with her instead of continuing on his path of vengeance But anyway, I thought this was really interesting. I don't know that I've read very many books, if any, that are set kind of right. Well, I've read a couple, but I'm interested in that particular time period. So I want to see where this goes. That was Cheneville, a novel of murder, loss, and vengeance by Paulette Giles. Okay. All right. My next book is nonfiction. It is The Book of More Delight by Ross Gay. Comes out September 19th. And you might remember that I recently brought Inciting Joy by Ross Gay, which I absolutely loved. So I am so excited for his new book. It is a new collection of small daily wonders, again, written over the course of one year. What makes his book so unique is like he spent he, he spends that year investigating. And in this book, he's investigating delight. What delights us is what connects us. He will look at what gives us meaning from the joy of hearing a nostalgic song blasting from a passing car to the pleasure of refusing the nefarious scannable QR code menus. I actually laughed when I read that because that is so random, but also so true. I hate those when I go to restaurants and I have to scan the QR code menus. He's going to talk about the tiny dog he fell hard for, his mother baking a dozen kinds of cookies. And as always, he is going to revel in the natural world. Oh my gosh, you know he got me with this. A hummingbird carousing in the bee balm. Yes, okay. Tell, I, tell me more, Roske. A sunflower growing out of a wall around the cemetery. It doesn't, it, the point of this is, it does not matter what Roske has to say, I, for one, am going to be listening. I cannot wait to hear more about the trillion mysterious ways this glorious earth delights us. And that was The Book of More Delights by Ross Gay. You are in a phase, baby. I'm t- I t- yeah, just, <laughs> I know. I love, I love books like this. I love, I love like, I love his writing. I'm so glad yeah, I'm just, I feel like I have like landed on writers like him. I just love it. And yeah. I mean, the, and the summer of 2023 is the year for the hummingbird for me. So, I mean. <laughs> God, mine's a year of sitting in my chair, <laughs> trying to move as little as possible. Alrighty. My next book is called With Regrets by Lee Kelly. This one actually comes out on September 5th. So I did a little out of order. 
Okay, the reason it got me is because it says it's equal parts Big Little Lies and Bird Box. And I've read both of those. I loved both of those. And I have no clue how they would conflate. They also said it's perfect for fans of David Cop's Aurora, which I'm a huge fan of. So I'm like, ooh, is this the end of the world? What's going on? Seven courses, seven guests, 24 hours that will obliterate everything. When recent New York City transplant Liz Brinkley and her husband are invited to an exclusive soiree by their neighbor, lifestyle guru, Britta harris Che, Liz's immediate thought is hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Britta is insufferable, and Liz is wary to leave her young children with a barely teenage babysitter, and yet she RSVPs yes anyway, trying to extend an olive branch to her withdrawing husband, who seems desperate to connect with this clique. They've barely made it through their first round of champagne when a red alert comes through their phones and every channel on the television tells the same story. Strange atmospheric masses reported to look like glimmering clouds have been spreading through major U.S. cities and killing anyone they touch. Authorities have just one clear directive, find shelter immediately. Of course, the guests are panicked. All their kids are at home and not there. They're trying to get to their cars and they see it shimmering net floating over the town. The street is littered with wrecked cars and dead bodies. Leaving is not an option. And instead, baby, they're now in survival mode and taking to shelter in the host's wine cellar. Listen, I could not think of a better (laughs) book for me. I love books like this. I love this. I don't know what it is about being in this situation that it's just my catnip. And as now that I'm like deep reading the synopsis, I can totally see why they picked those three books. I really hope that it holds up. And Liz becomes increasingly willing to do whatever it takes to get back to her children. And then she starts to realize, oh gosh, there might be people that we're with that are even more desperate and unhinged than I am. So I can't wait for this. I'm going to read it. I'm going to add it to my little list here now. That was With Regrets by Lee Kelly. Oh yeah, that sounds right up your alley. (sighs) Telling yeah. you, it, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my next book is Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang. Comes out September 26th. And this is an interesting book. Not something I would normally pick up. This sounds like a Tina book, but I am very interested in this. So this is about a young chef and it's set in Italy. And in the story, a smog has spread. Food crops are rapidly disappearing. And this young chef escapes her dying career in a dreary city to take a job at a decadent mountaintop colony, which is seemingly free of the world's troubles. And there, the sky is clear again. There are rare ingredients to be found everywhere. Her enigmatic employer and his visionary daughter have built a lush new life for the global elite one that reawakens the chef to the pleasures of taste, touch, and her own body. In this atmosphere of hidden wonders and cool, seductive violence, the chef's boundaries undergo a thrilling erosion. And soon, she is pushed to the center of a startling attempt to reshape the world far beyond the plate. I don't know. It sounds interesting. It is being billed as sensuous and surprising, joyous and bitingly sharp. And it's going to look at the ethics of seeking pleasure in a dying world. Now, I like the quote by Gabrielle Zevin. And she said, it's rare to read anything that feels this unique, a richly imagined, ambitious and haunting novel. So I am, yeah, I'm I'm really Looking forward to diving into this. It's Land of Milk and Honey by C. Pam Zhang. Yes, that was on my list as well. It sounds a a bit dystopian. Yep, I got that too. Okay. Mm -hmm. It sounds really good. All right, let's wrap things up with Wellness by Nathan Hill. Comes out on September 26th. This is the one of the other long books that I'm going to get to by the end of the year. It's about Jack and Elizabeth, who met as college students in the 90s, and they quickly join forces and hold on tight, each eager to claim a place in Chicago's thriving underground art scene. Fast forward 20 years later, they are married, and alongside the challenges of parenting, they encounter cults disguised as mindfulness support groups, polyamorous would-be suitors, Facebook wars, and something called love potion number nine. 
For the first time, Jack and Elizabeth struggle to recognize each other, and the no longer youthful dreamers are forced to face their demons, from unfulfilled career ambitions to painful childhood memories of their own dysfunctional families. In the process, Jack and Elizabeth must undertake separate personal excavations or risk losing the best thing in each other. I loved his book, The Knicks. It's narrated by one of my favorite narrators, Ari Falakos. He is narrating wellness, so I'm definitely getting to this very soon. That was Wellness by Nathan Hill. Yes, I want to read that too. All right. I'll allow it. And yeah, it's so funny because literally it it kind of goes back and forth. The 90s, Renee, Chicago, Mm. Tina, art scene, both of us, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) 20 years of marriage, Renee. You know what I mean? It it cults, Tina. So I'm like, it's like back and forth between us. And we have, you might have uh, forgotten. I'm going to remind you. We're going to read this as together. I, you told me that last night. Okay. I, I, my memory is a little—it's <laughs> a little longer than that. Yes, and we are going to read this one together. So I yes. will keep you informed. Okay. All right. My last book is "Devil Makes Three by Ben Fountain. Comes out September twenty-sixth. I'm calling this a potential literary adventure thriller. I want to read it and find out if that holds up. But that's what it sounds like to me. It is set in Haiti in nineteen ninety-one when a violent coup d'état leads to the fall of the current president. Here you have American expat Matt Amaker, and he is forced to abandon his idyllic beachfront scuba business. With the rise of a brutal military dictatorship and an international embargo threatening to destroy the country's most powerful players, some people are looking to gain an advantage in the chaos, and others are just looking to make it through another day. So Matt is desperate for money and survival and decides to team up with his best friend, Alex, who is also his business partner. And Alex is the adventurous only son of a socially prominent Haitian family. And these two set their sights on legendary shipwrecks that have been rumored to contain priceless treasures off a remote section of Haiti's southern coast. Their ambition and exploration of these disastrous wrecks come with a cascade of ill-fated incidents, one that involves characters we will soon come to know, along with a particular rookie CIA case officer named Audrey, who finds herself doing clandestine work on an assignment that proves to be more difficult and dubious than she could have possibly imagined. I actually love the sound of all of these elements. Author Jess Walter says this book is expansive, heartbreaking, and thrilling. This morally complex novel is why we read fiction. I love a book with morally complex people, so I'm very curious to see if this is an adventure thriller that veers on the literary side, it's Devil Makes Three by Ben Fountain. All right. Well, let's wrap things up with our current read. Yes. I am reading Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas, and this book is great. I'm only about 15% in so far, but I will tell you the action pretty much hooks you right away. It's about vampires and vaqueros, or cowboys, who face off on the Texas-Mexico border And the thing I didn't know about this going in, it's horror, but there's a love story mixed in. It's about these kids. They're both like eight when they meet. And eventually, you know, of course, they grow up. They kind of fell in love when they were young, but they weren't a great fit socially. Something drives them apart. Now the guy is trying to find his way back to her. It's I'm like, oh, well, you could have just told me that I would have been in. So, (laughs) so far, so good. I'm enjoying the audio. And that's Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Cañas. Okay. Man, I love all these fall reads, the variety of fall reads coming out. A lot lot of good stuff, guys. Okay. All right. I am currently reading Our Town, a play in three parts by Thornton Wilder. I don't think we've ever brought a play to the podcast. No, I can tell you for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say I'm I'm literally on page one. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) This is, as I said, it's a play. It was first produced and published in 1938, and it's a Pulitzer Prize-winning drama of life in a small village of Grover's Corners, 
the reason I am reading this is because I want to start Tom Lake by Ann Patchett this weekend. And Tom Lake is said to be a love note to the play Our Town. Now, there have been many people who have said, you don't need to read Our Town first, but I have decided that I do want to read Our Town. And the reason I decided that was because of Liz from Liz's Reading, her review of Our Town, combined with one of our patrons, Natalie, in our LitFit Literary Fiction channel on Discord, strongly recommended reading this first. And she said it was an unexpected five-star read. So I thought, you know what? It's super short. It's like 140 pages. So I am I'm going to knock this out hopefully today. It is Our Town by Thornton Wilder. Yeah, and did you know that there is a little bit of an Our Town tie-in to Sharkheart? No, I did not. Well, there is. Oh, good. Well, buckle up. I'm I'm reading Sharkheart next week for our Discord Read with BTE discussion. So that's going to be perfect. I knew Look there was you. A, I knew Look there was a reason you. I was going to need to read Our Town. I knew it. Look at you having a structured TBR. Oh, man. Welcome to the chaos or the Uh. lack thereof. (laughs) (laughs) I am going to read this weekend. I'm going to finish probably Vampires of El Norte. And then also I am reading Happiness Falls by Angie Kim. I do not have the audio. So this is going to be my deep read. Oh, gosh. Okay, good. Lots of look at us knowing what we're reading in advance. Who are we? I don't know. know. All right. Well, That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to exclusive bonus content, you can join us for $5 a month on patreon.com slash booktalketc. If you'd like to connect with us, email us at booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also find us at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at tbrc, and me, Renee, at itsbooktalk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. I'm sorry, I was trying to get comfortable. I realize there is no getting comfortable.